Thank you for downloading ASI. All material provided by ASI podcast show and website is provided for entertainment, educational, and informational use only. It is not necessarily created or approved by a certified mental health professional and is not intended to be used in lieu of medical or emotional therapy. For those who need psychiatric or emotional care, we suggest you consult an appropriate health care provider or services in your community regarding the applicability of any opinions or recommendations with respect to your specific situation or medical condition. The opinions of the host and the guest on this show are strictly that. They are opinions. We are not advocating that you do not seek out professional counsel. I believe in professional counsel. I believe that you should see a licensed If you're a Christian, a licensed Christian psychologist or counselor. Very important. Welcome to Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. This is Russ Shaw, here with uh, Pastor Dan Hazen of Allen Creek Community Church. This guy, folks, is the real deal when it comes to the bomb squad, when it comes to calling in forces to deal with the pain and agony of, of heart issues altogether. Um, the, the, I talked about the episode 19, 18 and 19, was the book uh, Take a Bullet by uh, James and Celia Brooke. Uh, Dan was their bomb squad guy. He, they came into his office and... and he was the guy that handled them. When I had left church for four or five years because I could not be good enough, I knew I was a sinner, I knew I was broken, and I just kept hearing the message that, you know, God hates sinners and you're going straight to hell. And then I'm looking around the church thinking, you know, all these other people are sinners too, and this is just all fake and garbage. And So I left the church. Now, when I was bleeding and, and rolling around all over the place, what to do, had no money to go see a... a major psycho- psychologist type of counselor, which thank God for that. Um, no offense towards psychologists, just that it, I, it, most people, maybe one out of four, I believe, psychologists are really good at what they do, in, our, in my opinion. A one out of four, I really believe that. That's just me. That's no. That's my opinion. That's no statistical evidence. Um, save your email, okay? Um, but I had quit on church. I had given up. I don't think I've given up on God. You know, I was popping in and out of Christian radio every so often, and I still had issues. With, I was kind of mad at God. But I came into your office thinking, one, I need help because my wife's going to leave, and I'm trying to keep this whole thing floating. Two, because I s- saw something in you that was real and authentic just the fact that you were willing to talk to me when I was not going to church for such a long time. I wasn't even a, a member of your church, you know. I'd been in other churches where I'd asked to, to stop, talk to somebody about something. Are you a member of the church? And I'm like, uh, you know, never mind. <laughs> so, you know, I was impressed that you were even willing to meet with me in the first place. That was a that was a big deal for me, Dan. I mean, you you were you were there. I had been I've talked to another couple of pastors before, and it was you know it was a little bit uh, mechanical. Um, other churches, but but like I say, you know, you the way you handled this situation 
when I was in pain, agony, and a certain amount of denial. I had a certain amount of denial there because I, I thought, I believed, like I talked about in my last episode, I believed that I had this sexual gas tank and pornography is just, masturbation is just something that guys do, you know. And so, you, like I say, Dan, you were the real deal. So, uh, this, is, this is Pastor Dan Hazen. Good to be here, Russ. Thanks and, for being here. And I just I want to encourage you. We, we were talking before the show that uh, how far uh, ASIs come and just well that there is an ASI. Right. Is is phenomenal and uh, you know your courage and your willingness to jump in here and and deal with the bomb. Right. You know, in your own life, I just want to affirm you that you're doing great work. Well, thanks. And man. it's just I appreciate it's, it. And a pleasure to play any part. Thank you. And it's not, you know, it's not me. I just kind of finally identified who I was in this whole uh, God thing. Realized that God really did put me here for a reason at this place, in this point in time. You know, it's not just fate. Um, I'm not that great a guy. I'm not a car accident. You know, (laughs) I am. My life is a a disaster of a mess. But, you know, I, I went to the... Jesus's body shop, and I'm in there, and I'm, you know, I'm getting fixed, yeah, you know, right. and not being a mechanical thing about it, but on a heart level, yeah. getting fixed, getting my my getting heart restored to factory condition. Exactly. <laughs> um, on iTunes, which is the most popular website or the most popular aggregate software for doing podcasting, um, right now as this is being recorded, I'm number one in addiction. I'm not sure why that is. I, I would type in sex addiction, porn addiction, see where I put in. And then I, and yesterday I put in the word addiction. I'm at the top of the list for addiction. I'm not oh. sure if that's if that's because of my message or because that there this porn addiction thing is a lot more prevalent than people like to hear about. Um, I heard a, a PR company say that more people are being fired because of uh, inappropriate inappropriate web use than alcoholism. Wow. So I think that this is just a big problem that people aren't addressing. And, and it's not because I'm such a great speaker or anything. My show is fairly uh, low budget. <laughs> so, but, but I think that, you know, hopefully listeners out there are, are identifying with something that we're, some of the stuff we're well, talking about. I think the authenticity you talked about resonating with, you have. Right. And I mean, I've just, we've, we've talked a lot. And in reviewing your shows, and I think that's what people resonate with. Same thing you resonated with, your listeners are resonating with. Right. And that's your real. And I almost had a judgmental thing towards Christians calling them fake, you know. I mean, I would call them fake. You know, I had to do my own self analyzation and say, you know, wait a minute, Russ, you, you have a bit of a problem here, too. People are fake. People are fake, yeah, right. Whether they're Christians or Buddhists or Hindus. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of the biggest thing about Christians. People, you know, they're angry at Christians. or Their biggest complaint about Christians is that they're, they're hypocrites. Yeah. Well, everybody's a hypocrite. Yeah. It's just that I think a lot of Christians, and my problem with it was that a lot of Christians aren't willing to admit that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's very true. So... But talk about what your attitude was when I came into this office. I mean, how did you handle me? That's what I think a lot of pastors are their fear of. When when somebody comes into their office with this problem or with this issue or any heart level, you know, oh, man, how do we deal with that, Dan? With the, the, the bomb, when the bomb when shows up. When the bomb up, goes off. When, yeah, when, when, the, you when there's the bomb debris just came all in the over office. the place. Exactly. Well, you know, I I think if we if we go back to when you came in, you know, it, it's it's interesting. I love this bomb metaphor that you came up with. It's so it's so profound. I think when when you came into the office, uh, 
I saw a bomb that hadn't gone off yet. Right. Like you I know, said, my listeners in my last episode, my bomb went off four times. Yeah, it was... Yeah, and maybe we could beat this metaphor to death. It's right. Somehow, you know, maybe you're multiple bombs. I don't know. Ooh. <laughs> right. But, but when you came in, my first feeling was, um, we haven't got to the bottom yet. That Russ hasn't gotten... I'm not talking to the real Russ yet. Right. Uh, that I haven't seen the real... Russ may not know where the real Russ is. Exactly. I didn't. It, it, right. And, and few few of us do. And, and really, life could be defined as really just the discovering of that, right. that person in, in God's light. But So my first thought was, okay, here's a guy. You, you had mentioned there was a little bit of denial. Uh, yeah, there was that sense. You came in wanting to save your marriage. Okay. That's what you came in wanting to do. Yeah. I don't want it... You know, let me put some words in your mouth, and you can just <laughs> you can just tell me. Okay. I'm scared. Uh-huh. I'm going to lose this woman who I love. Right. And my kids. It's going to be a mess. It's going to be turmoil. Right. I'm going to have to see them on the weekends. Exactly. All this crap. I'm going to be a loser. Right. Uh, I I don't break want my kids' heart over. This yeah. Thing. I mean, end up like I was. Yeah. Know? All that other stuff, and I don't want that. Help me avoid this bomb going off. Right. That was it, and so. Right there, that tells me, as somebody who walks up on a situation like this, okay, that's not the real issue. It's not that those things aren't real. It's not that those things can't happen, and it's not that we shouldn't work to avoid them. But if we're going to really avoid those things, we got to get to what's under it. Right. How did you get here? Uh-huh. So, so if we use this metaphor, well, actually, there's a story here in the local news uh, down in Portland, Oregon. Uh-huh. Uh, guy had his car stolen. Found it a week later. Or, or, dr- found it. He was driving it around for two weeks. Then one day, um, he slams on the brakes and a pipe bomb rolls out from under his driver's oh, seat. Man. Doesn't know where it came from. He parks the car, calls the cops. They show up and they have to. The bomb squad shows up. They get one of those giant containers. You know, they pull on a trailer oh, right. to contain a bomb. Like and, a shipping container? Well, no, it's like a big, uh, like a big boiler vessel. Oh, wow. You know, and the guys in the suits, you know, and they come out and they put this pipe bomb in this container and, and haul it off. And they go explode it someplace, you know. Um, you, where did that bomb come from? It's not that the bomb isn't dangerous. If it had gone off in that guy's car, people would have died. Right. You know, would have ruined his car. All these other things. Um, the fact is, it did need to be exploded. That's how they fixed it. They carefully took it from where it was. They put it in this container. They drove it out someplace safe under a strategic, planned process, and they exploded it. And it dissipated the energy that was there. That problem was solved. Nobody died. Where did the bomb come from? That's the bigger issue. That's where that's where people have to focus. So when you came in, I'm thinking, all right, where did the bomb come from? Yeah, we got to put some effort into getting this bomb contained. How do we do some things immediately? I call it like changing the oil while you're going down the freeway. Right. This is a big. This is a complicated issue. You got to keep life going. You have to stay married. Uh-huh. You have to stay connected. You can't cause any more damage while we try to do something as complicated uh-huh. as change the oil while you're still driving down the freeway. Yeah. So I saw you as somebody who's desperate. Uh, the bomb was ready. You know, could go off any second. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But the first thing we got to do is figure out where did this bomb come from. And I love what you say about timing, Dan, because. People don't realize the the process of life, especially us guys. You know, sometimes we feel like we get into it to even an argument with our wives, or we make a connection, an intimate connection, and we think that we fix that. You know, we think that okay, here's this 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 tower I've built out of blocks, and it's done, and it sits over there, and and, and that's that's that. It's it's done. Life 
keeps moving every single day. Yeah. There's timing, and there's there, it, nothing stays the same. Everything is constantly changing, or you know, it's evolving. Um, in the last episode, I talked about the analogy of that that group of blocks. You're either building that group of blocks, or you're tearing it down. It doesn't just sit there. Right. And guys need to realize that. Um, the timing of this and, and what Dan's talking about here is so important because we can't just think that, well, I've already dealt with this a few years ago. That was me with my bomb going off four times. You know, I thought that, well, I fixed this. But no, you, you're right. I didn't deal with the heart of the problem, the heart issue. Another bomb got placed, essentially. Exactly. And it's going off again, and eventually your loved one... It was is, still ticking. It, yeah, it, it, it was going to go off because uh-huh. it was, was created. There was another bomb there. Right. And, so you're, and your loved one sees that coming. How many times are you willing to stand there while a bomb goes off in your face? I mean, it's not going to happen. And I mean, so you come in desperate. Give me some hope. Uh-huh. I mean, I've got. I don't want this to happen again. I mean, who out there listening to this really wants the life? Yeah, exactly. Nobody. Nobody does. signs up and wakes up one day. I'm going to have a porn addict. Yeah, that'd there. be great. I'm going to go cheat on my wife. I need a better computer husband. so I can do this more. You yeah, because I love it so much. Exactly. It doesn't happen. So, it's so. What do we do when we discover that that bomb? Where's where's the hope lie? Because the spouse uh, or loved one is over there going, I don't want this thing going off again. I know what it's like. Or they see the magnitude of it. Maybe they discover it. Uh, I, I know a buddy who really tried to handle this in a good way. He got one of those devices on his computer that sent any questionable web pages to another computer. Right. And he put his wife as the recipient of that. Oh, wow. Now, you know, I don't make a prescription. In some cases, that might be okay. It would depend on you yeah. and your wife and all that other stuff. And in most cases, I would say no. it's not wise. Yeah. Um, but in this case, he did it, and she, so she actually saw what he'd been looking at. Right. The bomb went off. Right. And it went off big. And so, you know, when she saw those websites, when she saw those links and clicked on a couple of them, the bomb that was there went from, you know, a, a, a pipe bomb in Portland to, you know, Nagasaki. Right. Because, I mean, so, when she is now uh, thinking about ending it. Right. You know, the bomb got a lot bigger. And uh, so where's, what do you do? Yeah. You know, that's... You have to reach out, you know. And I I tell guys that. Um, You guys, women, you need to realize that this is a, a brokenness in your flesh. This is not necessarily something that you can control and have it over with. I think being the porn addict, I think I could look at this guy's situation and seeing myself do the same thing and think that, okay, if I do this, I'm not going to look at porn again. It'll, you know, fix like, it. It'll fix it. We have to go deep. You know, we, yes. like When I came into your office, to be honest with you, Dan, like you were saying, I was kind of hoping you would put some Band-Aids around the outside of my, my shrapnel that was stuck all the way down into my heart. Yeah. You know, it doesn't work that way. No. You could have done that. And, and I think a lot of pastors, because... Um, and I'm not beating pastors up. I, I hope you know. I don't want you guys to take this in a negative way. But I think pastors just—they look at the person as the sin. They see that person. They don't see a bomb ticking. They see a bomb. A bomb just walked into my office. No, that's a human being. That's a child of God who's got a, a soul and, and who God loves and put them in that place in your office at this time in history for a reason. Yeah, exactly. And that person is not the, the, the problem. Right. The behavior is the problem. And that's why they're there. That's why these people are listening to my show right now. If you're listening to my show right now, you're not a bomb. <laughs> you have a bomb ticking 
but you yourself are not a bomb. Yeah, and that's you know this this friend I was just talking to the shame, especially with this because you know here are these messages uh, familiar to you? You're a pervert. Oh, yeah, I get that was me, and I get emails about it all the time. Yeah, you're a pervert. Well, I'm a sexual deviant. You're a sexual deviant. What you are is a sexual being, and it's not that there isn't such a thing as perversion, right. and there's not sexual predation. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is the guy who's listening to this, who maybe you know, maybe you're at the office late. And you're sitting there, and and immediately you just something rumbles in your stomach, and you feel the hot flash in the back of your head, and you could look at anything you want. You know, you're sitting there, your DSL, whatever broadband connection at the office, nobody else is around, and you could and and you do it, and you click on it, and you look at it, and maybe you masturbate, right? Whatever. That does not necessarily make you a pervert or a deviant. What that makes you is what Russ is saying. What that makes you is a sexual being. What that makes you is a bomb that is that is ticking. Right. And something way back in you, way back before the bomb was made, is playing itself out in a sinful way. Exactly. And that's what we got to get back to. That's what you got to find. Because if you don't, if you just try to start to manage the sin on the outside, like, hey, I... Personally, I think the the computer watch thing, the accountability thing, good idea. But those those kinds of mechanisms are only temporary. And and you know when we talked about changing the oil while you're going down the freeway, kind of a thing. You know that's not meant, that's not what you're meant to do all the time. Right. And you're not meant to. God didn't God didn't provide mechanisms for us to manage our sin in the long run. Right. Uh, people who struggle with chemical addiction, you know. Uh, they talk a lot of time about it in terms of sobriety. Well, I'm sober. Sobriety's great, but you weren't made to be sober. That's not your destiny. In yeah. life. And your destiny is not to be free of porn. That's not what you were made. You were made, you were made for a, a special reason. There's a rush-shaped hole right. in the universe, and you're finding it. And a Dan-shaped hole. And listeners, you know, you have a place in the universe, and it's not simply defined by I don't look at porn. It's it's much more than that. So all those things like X Watch, three X Watch, or whatever, right. uh, those do. They're great short-term, temporary things that can help contain the explosion. They can help get you through the cleanup initially. That can build some trust with your spouse. That's a huge thing. You know, if you got somebody who got blown up on, you know, they're gonna need. There's gonna need to be a period of trust building in there. And if they know. That you've got some some serious accountability, uh, hopefully face to face with some people in a Christian community. But maybe it's something like Three X Watch. That's going to give them something to hang on to in that interim, where they can because they're not going to believe you. You're a liar, right? I mean, that's part of this whole thing. Is you're ashamed, right? Mm-hmm. I've been ashamed. I mean, I've looked at pornography. It's been an issue for me, and and one of the biggest things. Uh, that kept it stuck with me is I was ashamed of it. Right. And so I kept it inside. Once I got it outside and and I let the people who were concerned, that you know, the people who were blown up on uh-huh. uh, by my bomb, when I let them see that I was keeping it out, then they could start to trust me again. Right. It took some time. Once that trust was built, then I could lean on them more. Uh, then I could start sharing the deeper things in my heart, the exactly. stuff behind it. Yeah, behind then they the could scene. start helping me, and before you know it, it's like training wheels. You know, I mean, what would you think about uh, Lance Armstrong? You know, going down the road with training wheels <laughs> right. on his on his bike. The goal is to get beyond that. Yeah. You know, and so it's training wheels are good when you're starting, 
But somewhere down the road, the goal's got to be to to get rid of them, exactly. get to the deep stuff. And, and you know, pastors, 47% of pastors out there admit to uh, struggling with this issue. Um, the problem, I think, that a lot of those pastors have, Dan, is that shame is a big one. I think that they're they're afraid of what's going to happen if I if I come out and I say um, I'm this person I'm this pastor I struggle with pornography. Uh, they are so afraid of, of the bomb going off in their own lives to admit something like like that. And for you, Dan Hazen, to to sit here and, and tell me you know, the guy that I counseled, who I think that the reason I am where I am today is because you were willing to go deep about your own stuff, dude. And and I and I love that. And I want, um, I want pastors out there to understand that I, I drew a, a diagram in group about this. I said that the, um, it's like a battery. I drew a battery. And at the negative end of the battery, I drew shame. At the positive end of the battery, I drew humility. You may have to be humiliated. Um, Dan has taken a big risk here as a pastor saying, you know, hey, I've struggled with pornography. I'm in recovery mm-hmm. as, as a guy who struggled with porn. And man, I, that is just so awesome that you do that, Dan. Because the, the, you are willing to be humiliated, just like Jesus was. Yeah, you know, it, it's finally. I'm tired of living with the bomb. Right. I got tired of it, you know, uh, several years ago. I just got tired of living with the bomb. It actually it didn't start with pornography. It started with other things, uh, with uh, being false, with being a liar, right. with being something I wasn't. And after, you know, 30 plus years of doing that, I mean, who out there wants to think about that guy with the pipe bomb in his car? What would it be like driving around all the time knowing it's there? Right. Exactly. I don't want to live that life anymore. And the only way, it's got to get blown up. It does. And and if you have any sense of honor, any sense of courage, you're not going to just go drop that bomb someplace else. Right. It could go off it's got to be dealt with. It will it's, go off. It will go off. Yeah. So do you either do it in a controlled way, either do it in a way that makes some sense. And you know, I have set several bombs off, that, you know, that I've I've had in my life, uh, and and this was one of them. And because I, it's so much better to live with. There, there are people out there that are going to look askance and look sideways and go, oh well, I'm better than you. Okay, you win. Right. Next. Exactly. Fine. And people care too much about what other people think. I think that's a big thing, especially in American society. Um, British is... I have a lot of listeners all over the world. I'm trying not to keep this all in America. But uh, in our our culture especially, especially like a, a Seattle area, kind of a Seattle metro or New York listeners, uh, a lot of New Yorkers listen to my show on their iPods. Um, there's this status thing, you know. We care so much about what other people think. You know what? I don't give a rat's behind what anybody who doesn't have an impact on my heart thinks. And the only reason that they do have an impact on my heart is because I let them. Now that, when you get into a relationship with your wife, that can be a scary ordeal because we don't want our wives to, we don't want to be vulnerable to them even though we are called to be. That's right. And that's a really good point about, you know, when you finally, like when you came into the office, all right, you show up, here's this bomb. Right. Well, you realize setting it off is going to change how your woman sees you. Uh Uh-huh. How she looks at you, you're going to become. You, there's a good solid chance that at least for a while, she's going to think you're a pervert. She's not going to want to touch you. She's not going to want to look at you. Oh my gosh! I mean, to to imagine the the look on her face, you know, that that shame that she's going to exactly. feel, the, the the consequences of that. 
That, and oftentimes I think it's exactly that that will keep the bomb hidden. But, uh, you know, all I've got to say is that is so much more worse than if you if you take some steps to, to get that thing disarmed or get it exploded in a controlled way. Right. Because it will just get bigger and bigger and, and it will go off. It will and go when off. it does, it... It'll leave carnage. It will leave carnage, and so it you can just control the blast, and that's what you've done. You, with you've got to control the blast. Cecilia, you, you, know? you really do, and and I think the way, the really the best way that's done is to try to build a community. I think that's that's the biggest thing. Is where, uh, you know, let, let's take the spouse thing again. You know, where we've got a spouse over here, the bomb's going to go off. Um, where we create an environment where that person knows they're going to be safe, where they can express their hurt and their anger. And I'll, because you know what? Some of it's legitimate. I mean, right. this is, it is. This is exactly. a sin. Right? It should this be. This is a sin, isn't it? Yeah, right? it is. For some of those listeners, I know a lot, maybe people from church backgrounds, they're going to hear talk about grace and, right. and where we try to right-size this thing. Let's just put their minds at ease. This is sin. It is. And God hates it. Right. So, so we need to acknowledge that part of that sin is we've offended another human, you know, yeah. our, our our loved ones, and so we, there needs to be a place for them to deal with the consequences of that. And if we can, that's part of the strategy of exploding it is, a bomb. It's a strategy yeah. of saying, all right, you, we're going to have people in place, uh, some other women maybe who've been there, uh, a, a small group, whatever where they can express their hurt right. legitimately, a place where they can express it directly to you. I mean, um, did your wife ever have a chance to be able to look you in the eyes and say, Russ, this is how it makes me feel? Yeah, she did. And I, and I talked about that on, on a few episodes where she had this emotional word picture that was basically, she said, I was like an abusive husband who was beating her with a baseball bat emotionally. Oh. And that just brought me to my knees. Yeah. You know? And, and it really made me go in and look at that stuff and, and find out why, you know, I was doing it. And and when she got a chance to say that, and you got a chance to see it, and uh, you were you guys were part of a group around that same period of time, too. So, so well, it may not have been that moment that that season was shared with other people. She had other women around her. You had other men around right, right. that knew what you guys were struggling with. And... That created a level of safety for her, right. where she could really share her heart. You could then respond to it, and, and a little, just a baby step of trust got built. Yeah, you know, in that moment, that she could she could stick community. it out. Community, they need people. You need community. You cannot do this on your own. You, I've said it a thousand times. You can't do it on your own. Uh, emailing me is great. I encourage you to do that. It's Russ at digitalaudioproject.com. Uh, Dan, you're willing to put your email uh, from the church here. You bet. That's danh at ac3.org. Right. And that's a start, all right? But you need to be face-to-face with somebody and talk about this on a face-to-face issue because, like what you were saying with anger, um, it's okay to get angry. I think people should get angry. I got an uh, email from a listener who was like, um, my wife kicked me out of the house, you know? Uh, and I'm like, well, good for her, <laughs> you know? He's maybe thinking, because I talk a lot about grace and stuff like that, but you know what? Like, as long as it's done in a healthy way, you separate. But those feelings are very real. Those those feelings of anger are very real. And sometimes the, the strategy behind setting the bomb off may be dealing with 
the spouse who doesn't know and their anger. Some of this can come from the fact that they don't feel like they can express their heart with their mate because of their reactions in the past and the anger and the explosive way that they tear into the uh, the person who's addicted to sex or having an affair. That needs to be handled. Um, it, it may mean it may need it may take months to, to come out before you can get that person to say, okay, we're gonna put the you know the shield over this and set this off. Yes, but that's that's a big important part of that. It's very true, and and oftentimes the part the, we talked about the shame containing the explosion. You, know, you uh-huh. won't come out with it because you're so ashamed, and sometimes you won't come out with it because you know there's going to be hell to pay. Right. Because you're gonna you're going to be thrown out. It could end the marriage. Uh-huh. That's not uncommon at all, and that's a legitimate fear. So really, for the for the addict, for the for the person who's, who's who is. Uh, looking at the pornography, to know that they have somebody on their side who's going to help them, going to help their spouse manage this explosion, their side of it too, can really be helpful. It's like, you know, I mean, when you came in, you're all like, ah, I don't want, I'm going to lose my wife. Well, Russ, right. you know what? We're going to work hard to make sure that doesn't happen. Right. And sometimes that spouse has to be taken aside in the process and say, look, you have been profoundly wronged. And you know this is sin, and that's wrong. And right. oh my gosh, and and we 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 feel for you, and we're going to process your stuff. But but we're we're dealing with somebody who's in pain over here. Right. You know the the addict, the, the person who's looking at pornography, the person you fell in love with, the, the person, person you chose, the person you looked in the eyes on your wedding day, or and said, "I do." Under for any better or for worse, that's right? Till death do us part. You know that is that, and, and here's the deal. I do it. I this book, um, Naked Intimacy, by Dr. Joel Block. I, I talk about this book so much because it is there's so much truth in this book that um, written by a secular author, uh, ironically. But I had a problem as a, a Christian guy reading a book by a secular author. I had a problem with dealing with his definition of a love, and I had to really go deep and and and, and ask myself questions about how he defines love. And part of him talking about how we fall out of love, um, love is a commitment. I I believe that, but I, you know, marriage is a commitment. Love really is trying to get back to those puppy dogs and ice cream feelings that I talk about. You know, some of that stuff is infatuation. A lot of it has to do with brain chemistry and hormones and stuff like that. So don't mistake those things for love as well. But also, don't um, get mixed up the feelings of dedication with love. Because you can be married to someone who you are not in love with. Yeah, how many... And you can say, oh yeah, I love my wife. Well... When's the last time you talked to her? Right. How many listeners out there can point to a couple that have been together for 50 years longer than they should have? They're yeah. just roommates. You exactly. know, is, is that love? Yeah. Or Dr. Bach talking about the couple in the restaurant who sit, to, you know, you know, you see these people in restaurants, you look at them, they don't say a word to each other. They just, you know, they look into the menu and, you know, these are the married people, you know, he talks about <laughs> in his book. And, uh, and, I, and I love that analogy. And there's so many analogies like that. We need to communicate emotionally that is a big part of intimacy that is a big part of fixing this whole bomb going off scenario and I talk a lot about that um, but I encourage um, pastors if you, especially if you don't have uh, any kind of psychological or training or counseling um, yes it's written by a secular author uh, I don't agree with everything in this book but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, I picked this book apart as a Christian 
trying to prove it wrong in some areas and found that, that I mean I can back up with scripture a lot of what this guy has to say uh, I mean I, I could go a whole hour on that but I challenge you pastors to pick up this book and, and do that if you have a problem with reading a book by a secular author I can understand that because I know there's a lot of self-help books out there and I know that you know a lot of that all focuses just on me you know it's all about me and what I can do and to succeed no it's not and this book explains that it's, it's not either. <laughs> you can't have a relationship with anyone and be all about you. But Dan, you know, the, the thing about the, the bomb going off and, and the thing about, I want to I ask you, the fear barrier. I still want to go back to that a little bit. How would you, let's say um, I'm a pastor from another church and I come in to your office and I say, I had this encounter with a, a couple maybe. Uh, Dr. Block, I talked about with him, uh, uh, my interview with him, he trains counselors. And he says in his training of counselors, that's the biggest fear for a lot of counselors, is to have a couple walk into their office for couples therapy. It's scary for a counselor. And it can be scary for a pastor, can't it? How would you you tell a pastor to get over that fear of of that? Yeah, I recall the the first time a couple came in and... uh, it was, it was kind of like, here's our marriage. It will either live or die based on what you tell us. Right. Yeah. That was the fear. I and that's shifting responsibility. It, well, exactly. And yeah. I think I think that's it. And that's what I would say to the pastor, who maybe has a, a, a he he's feeling like he has a marriage in his hands. You don't. You do not have a marriage in your hands. Right. Uh, helper, uh, pastors, psychologists, whatever, help small group leaders, whoever's out there. It's not your responsibility. What you have are two individuals. What you have are two broken individuals who are desperately running into each other, banging into each other like two, you know, NFL linebackers over and over again, trying to create a whole person. Right. And mistakenly doing so. This yeah. person's not making me happy, Dan. That's right. So I look at pornography. Exactly. You know, well, he looks at pornography, so I'm not so I am unlovable. Right. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's really it. You know, if I were more beautiful, he would never do this. Right. If I if I put out more, exactly. then I, the, the the offender may say that. Well, she put out more. That that's exactly that's right. That's a big one I get from right. from a lot of the listeners. Go, well, you know, that just doesn't put out. Yeah. yeah. And and the reality of it is it's not, it's not about frequency or quality of sex. That's it isn't. not what this yeah, is exactly. about at all. There is no sexual gas tank. That's I agree 100%. <laughs> and so so pastors, you know, when that couple comes in is to realize, you know, they may be looking at you and saying, Say, you know, if you don't fix this, we're going to die. That's a lie. That's not true. What you've got to do is immediately look at that individual. And I tend to always try to look at the uh, the perpetrator first, the person who's got the, the unction, the person who created behavior, right. the person who acted. Start with them. Uh, and then deal with the person who reacted. Right. And, and they may start reacting right away. I would expect the fact that they showed up is probably the first reaction. Okay. Odds are, it's not. It might be the perpetrator. You know, you came in by yourself first. Yeah. But that was really a reaction to your wife's response. Yeah. You know, she was just about done. She was just done. Yeah. So you know, you kind of deal with those as individuals, and the first thing I would do, you know, is talk to them about hope. Say that you know, point them to Yahweh, right? The the great and terrible Creator who is uh, over and above everything. 
and you know they may only get a little bit of hope out of that it's really going to depend on where they are but you know God can fix this right you know um, pray with them give them some scripture just let them tell their story uh-huh. uh, referee that I mean that's the first thing it, it, you got to really use your discernment but you know that spouse may need to vent a little bit that first meeting and just talk about their pain let them talk right. don't try to talk about forgiveness that for or, I don't or care. control the situation or control the situation or send them home with 10 things to do that are going right. to fix your pornography problem yeah. just don't even do that let them communicate in an environment where the truth starts to come out. Um, it may be that the perpetrator's got to do a whole bunch of confession. You may be sitting there and just simply bear witness to the perpetrator telling really what's happening. Getting it all Getting out. it all out, and that victim right. may be hearing about it for the first time, and you may just simply witness the bomb going... You just may need to be there to watch the bomb go off. Exactly. And and, and there's pres- nothing you can do about that when it's in this situation, and you can't save everybody. Your presence you? in that moment is healing. Right. Henry Nowen says something about the the, the healing presence, uh, and I think this is uh, this is profound. He says, therefore, to care means to first of all be present to each other. From experience, you know that those who care for you, uh, you become present to you. When they listen, they listen to you. Their presence is a healing presence because they accept you on your terms and they encourage you to take your own life seriously and trust your own action. Right. And what he says is that cure without care is not cure at all. Right. So in that initial, those initial meetings... Pastors realize your job is not to fix the problem in that hour. I don't care how much you know unless I know how much you care. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. Did you write that? No, that's a that's I've heard that a long time ago. Oh man, I'm stealing true. that. So. Yeah, yeah. That's that's really good. That that is exactly it. And so letting the bomb go off in your presence, turning to the perpetrator at the end of that and saying, "I'm not ashamed of you." Right. I'm not ashamed of you. Jesus Christ is not ashamed of you. And that's another big one for pastors to get over is that these people are not their sin. You know, you look at this person and you say, well, there's there's someone going to hellfire. And that becomes kind of an attitude. And I don't know if they do that out of self-righteousness or or just fear. Or if it's someone in their congregation, somebody under their care, it's, oh, well, there's a loss. There's yeah. there's one that uh, oh, he I've, got away. Under, under my personal loss column. Oh, I'm a failure as a oh, pastor. Man, no, you're right. not. Exactly. No, you're not. And it, you know, so to, to be able to say to that perpetrator, I'm not ashamed of you. God's not ashamed of you. Right. You know what you're feeling right now is the Holy Spirit's conviction and and that kind of a thing. But I'm with you. And then to turn to that victim and say, I I understand you're hurt. And there is healing and and hope, and you're going to get through this, and and we'll do it. And then you know, and and then to begin dealing with them as individuals as soon as possible, right. I think is the most important thing. Not that couple things shouldn't happen, not that they shouldn't be coached through but communication, yeah. but because we got to deal with why was that bomb there, Russ? Yeah. Why? Where did that come from? Because unless we deal with that, yeah. It, it's going to show up again because a lot of a lot it. of pastors are you know you feel like you walk into the office and it's like the bomb just rolled out from under the seat and you're going hmm that's strange isn't it <laughs> well sit down we'll talk about that you know I've never seen that's a, certainly a shiny cylindrical object <laughs> yeah. what do we do with that that's peculiar <laughs> no you got to go in deep and find out the heart issue and, and for a lot of people that's really uncomfortable and if that is uncomfortable for you pastors who may be listening to the show or you listeners ask why. No, there's nothing wrong with that. Ask why. Why is it uncomfortable? Why do I feel this way? Why do I want to look at that person who's coming to my office and say, Sinner! 
you know? Right. Or, or count them as a loss. Why do you do the things you do? Yeah. Keep asking yourself those questions. Dan, this has been an awesome show. Uh, I thank you. I, I I hope you'll be on again. I invite you to be Love on to. ASI again. Um, I talked about in episode six we would do uh, uh, Armor of God. Yeah. Sometimes I get distracted. We, get, we all get busy with stuff. And, and so, yeah, I promised that back in, like, January or something. So so we are going to do that, listeners. We are going to do, me and Pastor Dan here are going to do the whole Armor of God and what all that means. Because that's, that's something I remember sitting in my counselor's office being frustrated with Christianity going, armor of God, what, what the heck is that supposed to mean? Just mad, you know, I'm like, where does Jesus get off, you know? <laughs> Being able to talk about that, so even to say that, I think yeah. there's fear of that. Yeah. Know? And and that's another thing that pastors can ask themselves, can somebody come into your office and say that? Well, I, yeah, I, I'm not sure that? I buy into the whole Jesus thing and I'm mad at God. Yeah. Yeah, I get mad at God too. Because I think most of the guys who are looking at porn are struggling with that deal. Does God really love me? And you are the, you know, you're the hands and feet and mouth of Jesus Christ. You know, you're the body of the body of Christ. You know, people want to talk about being whole, filled with the Holy Spirit, and you know, and raising your hands in church and act of worship, and we're just going to worship God like crazy. Well, you know what? Here's an act of worship for you. When somebody walks into your office bleeding all over the place because a bomb has gone off and their shrapnel stuck all the way down in their heart, an act of worship is to go in there enthusiastically with the medical bags and the and the bomb squad and, and, and take it on. And 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 that is the teaching of the master, us right. Matthew eighteen. Right. You know, unless you are willing to confess your sins and come to me like these little children, you know, you won't find your way into the, the kingdom of heaven. And he, so right. that Where, what is that passage? You were gonna read that, right? I mean uh, yeah, Matthew, let's let's do that. Matthew Matthew eighteen was what I was thinking about, you know, about the show and right. in terms of the bomb going off and the teachings that Jesus gave us here. He says uh, in verse three, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore whoever humbles himself humbles. You talked about humiliation earlier. Right. Unless you decide that you're not gonna live with the bomb anymore, uh, unless you do that um, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Right. And whoever welcomes a little child like this, pastors, in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Right. And, uh, you know, there's that first step of humility. And so I've got to be like a child and say, I, children don't care what other people think. Right. How many times have you been standing at a bus stop and seen a kid over there dancing right. to music in their own head. They don't really care what other people think. You know what? You finally got to get real about it and yeah. say, this is I who I am. I about what other people this think. This is who I am. And understand that, and, and this is another thing too, is, is Jesus loves me just as much and I'm just as saved now as I was when I was a porn addict. I mean, That's absolutely right. It, just because Dan read that, and I know that a lot of people might take that that way, and that's not what Jesus was saying here. I think Jesus was blasting the Pharisees in a lot of ways, saying that if you do not, you know, if you're not going to come through me as your your savior, here's what you got to do to be perfect. You even look at a woman with lust in your heart. You better gouge your eye out and cut your hand off. If, right. you, if you don't believe that I'm the way, the truth, and the light, and the way to salvation, you know, you can't earn points with God. But you're right, Dan. That these people, you know, you're not going to. <laughs> you're not going to experience the, the grace and the love and that radiant heat that we get from God. We're standing out in the cold, Dan, and we're looking at the heat in the cabin where Jesus is in there going, come on, I love you, come on, i got a warm fire going here. And we're standing out in the cold going, uh, 
you're, you just don't like me. No, he's saying, come to me, come on. And we're standing out there going, I'm freezing, Lord, please, no. Yeah, it's yeah. Come, in, come into the warmth. He I'm too not, cold to come into yeah. the warmth. He will not, <laughs> yeah, and God will not come out. Heat can't exist in cold. Darkness can't exist in light. The, we, we're all gray. People are gray. That's a big problem with a lot of churches today. They don't understand that. I like to set up a gray scale in a group and say, you fall somewhere on this gray scale. You know, in, in photography, you see the gray scale. Mm-hmm. And because and, you're never going to be fully light. You're never going to be sinless. You never will be until the day you die. So you need to understand where you fall on the gray scale, and that is your responsibility, how far up you go on the, on the gray scale. Exactly. It's not God's fault. But I, I often think about it in terms of, I picture what we're going to look like when we finally get in front of Jesus. And guess what? You and me, Russ, and every single person listening to this show, we're going to be in exactly the same posture. Right. We will be flat on our faces, depending completely on His grace and His mercy. You know, there isn't anybody who's got a, a, a foot up exactly. on you and me. That's right. Or anybody else listening and right that, now. You know what? The things you take with you to heaven are not your car. It's not your house. It's not your cushy job. It's not your boat. It's not your summer cabin in the Hamptons. It's those relationships that we create together. Dan, me and you will see each other in heaven. I believe I'm going to see a lot of my listeners in heaven. Those are the things that we take from out of this world. Dan, it's been great. Uh, the website for uh, my church, Allen Creek Community Church, my church home, so to speak, is ac3.org. Uh, it's Dan H at ac3.org to reach Dan directly if you're a pastor or somebody struggling. Uh, my email is russ at digitalaudioproject.com. Thanks for listening. Uh, until next time, Dan, uh, again, thanks for being on the show. Grace and peace to you, Russ. You bet. Grace and peace, Dan. God bless you. That was a great, great show. Great sitting down with Dan Hazen. I hope I've helped uh, some of you understand that there's guys out there like Dan. There is people out there who can help you with this stuff. Years ago, before I had met Dan Hazen, I walked into a pastor's office after the bomb had gone off and my wife was ready to leave me. My wife was done. And I met with this guy. I had a relationship with this guy I liked this guy. We were friends. But the way he handled the bomb going off, and, and I don't, this is not, I'm not blaming him for anything, but I felt like he didn't know how to handle me. And because of that, I got angry and distant. I left the church because I felt like I had let him down so much. And he saw the real heart core of who Russ Shaw was and rejected that. Now, I don't think in his heart that's the way he felt, but that's the way I thought he felt. When he slid business cards to counselors towards me, he he loved me and he cared about me at that time. He just didn't know how to handle me. And I hope that my prayer for you is that this episode helped you understand how to get that person to a professional counselor. You know, get them to understand that they can afford it, even if they can't afford it. 
tell them about the relationship you have with a counselor. And if you don't know any counselors, I challenge you to get out and find some. Uh, I talked about my one out of four statistic. My opinion about that is is a lot about from people I've talked to. Find good godly Christian counsel pastors that you can pass along to those people that come bleeding into your office. You cannot get them to that counselor until you build those relationships. Until you can look in their eyes when they're bleeding and let them know how much you care. Like what Dan read and, and what I said about I don't care how much you know until I know how much you care you may have to work on that person. You have to build a relationship with that person. and That is what is important. That I, That's the main thing I want you to get out of this episode. Pastors, people who are hurting and bleeding, understand that there are people out there like Dan Hazen who love, who have a passion for folks, who love people. I think although most 90% of people in the ministry do love people, that's why they get in it. But they are just as scared as you are sometimes when you walk into their office. So, understand this. People are praying. And whether you are a sex addict, whether you love a sex addict, or whether you are a pastor listening to this show, trying to understand how to handle either situation, I want you to understand that God works miracles. People are on their knees in pain, praying to the Holy Father. It's time to step up. If you're praying those prayers, I urge you to get the courage to at least come in and talk to your pastor. There are your family, and they're praying. Your wife is praying. Your kids are praying. Let the Holy Spirit guide you to follow God. Walk into the office of the counselor and get help. If you're a pastor, get down on your knees and pray for strength and courage when those folks walk into your office. Don't beat yourself up. You have the Holy Spirit inside you and you can do this. Prayers are being answered. That man you just heard, Dan Hazen, I want to tell you something. He in his humility and in his love for people was an answer to prayer. There would be no ASI if it wasn't for Dan Hazen. There would be no book called Take a Bullet if it wasn't for the courage and faith of Pastor Dan Hazen. Because Dan Hazen's perfect? No. He admitted his struggles with pornography. That's part of who he is. That's part of his humility. That's part of him being a soldier in the battle. I pray that you guys understand that. There's people praying. God is calling all of us to step up and be part of the body of Christ. Next time, if you're in church, you take communion, you drink that little cup of grape juice, and eat that little piece of bread, I want you to remember what that means and understand that you are part of his body. I want you to remember what that means. And people are on their knees in agony, pain, praying. And God is calling you angels to step up. 
Thanks for listening. lines are being crossed over the atmosphere. Now